Well, hey, everybody. It's good to see everyone as usual. So uh, I got a little commercial here before, uh, before we get d- dive in here. Uh, you may have heard me talk about where... Did anybody see our sign out front, the healing rooms? Sign looks something like that. Isn't that nice? That's going to be out at the road this week and uh, start on May the 7th on the first and third Thursdays of each month from 6.30 p.m. to, to 9. We're going to have teams in here. We're going to have a team of women praying for ministering to women healing. This is just all about physical healing. And then a team of men praying for men in separate prayer rooms. And uh, we're going to have a team of intercessors praying also the whole time that we're ministering. And we're going to have uh, minstrels or musicians playing like soaking music as people, folks are coming in from the community. Uh, they'll have a little seating area here, fill out a little paperwork, and they can just soak in the presence of God, read some materials and scriptures on healing and God's plan for divine healing and the atonement and such and such. And uh, then they'll be you know, brought back at one at a time and we're just going to believe for a mighty anointing, amen, a mighty healing anointing to just come. I mean, Sarah spoke of that. It was an awesome uh, confirmation, really, because we've heard that word over and over and over and over again from Bob Jones to, to uh, many others of, of, of the Lord wanting to bestow on us an even greater anointing. So uh, we've seen, seen many of those. And uh, so there's a stack of these out there on the table. And I just invite you to grab as many of those as you like. And you can use them in two ways. First of all, obviously, you could pass them out to your friends. It's got directions on here, phone number, our website, etc., etc. Take them and put them at your place of business or wherever. But more specifically, here's what I want to ask you to do today. I, want to, I would ask you to take you know, 5, 10, 20, whatever of these cards. And on the back, you can send it like a postcard. Okay, and in this white box here, just simply fill out the name and address of maybe a family member, a friend, Christian or non-Christian that needs healing. How many people know somebody like that? Just right, it comes to mind. Okay, that needs healing. And uh, you can, they can find out all the information by going to our website about how it's run, how it'll be conducted. And uh, so just fill out their name and address. And then underneath that it says, this postcard was sent by and put your name. So that way they have a personal connection. It's not just some, like if they don't know us, it's not, oh, what is this? Oh, so-and-so sent it to me. You know, that's great. I could ask them. And then if you could help us out with the cost and just put a stamp on it and put it in the mail, we got a thousand of these that'll just, you know, canvas the community in the next two or three weeks before our first uh, kickoff time at, on May the 7th. So uh, we're really excited about that, obviously, and just know that God is going to pour out tremendously. So I could talk about that for the next hour, but I won't. So, <laughs> all right. Well, Holy Spirit... Thank you that you always come when we ask. And you fill us fresh each and every day. And you are always good. And you've always got more. So we just say more, Lord. Yeah, more. Just more of you, God. We can't get enough. We can go through all eternity and never get to the end of God. Including the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we just receive that fresh today. You know, it doesn't always have to be difficult or emotional or charismatic to receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? Sometimes it's just that simple. I don't know about you, but 
I'll, before you go off to work at like, you know, maybe 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning when you have a little bit of time with the Lord, you know, sometimes that's just all I can do <laughs> as I've rolled out of bed. You know, just receive more of the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right, so how many people, and this might be a stupid question, but how many people have kind of gone through some trials in the season that we're in? Can I see a show of hands? Wow, okay, yeah, okay, so I'm in good company, you know, me too, but uh, <laughs> hey, a couple of weeks ago, how many people remember the great message that Becky preached? Uh, well, Byron was up there too, but you know, we, he was helping Becky, he was carrying her Bible. <laughs> you remember that great message, and uh, there's a different title on the internet, I, tell, I encourage you to go to riverlifefellowship.com, you can listen to it. Again, or for the first time, if you weren't here for free, it's under media, and then you'll see messages right there. And there's another title, but I titled it on my notes. I've got it right here. I titled it, Don't Waste Your Trial. You remember that? Don't, it was a phrase from Becky, don't waste your trial. And as we've just seen from a show of hands, we've all been through some trials. And that message, I think, was so important because it was really about how to behave, in the midst of a wilderness kind of season, okay? And uh, what I want to say to you this morning is kind of a piggyback on that message or a a continuation um, to say it that way. And what I want to talk about is vision, okay? Because one thing I've realized about myself, and I believe it's true biblically, is that, well, Proverbs 29, 18 says, my people actually can perish for a lack of it. Right? Or a lack of vision. And I think, especially in the wilderness, a spiritual vision, or any kind of vision for that matter, is really, really important. I mean, think about it. What was the Israelites' biggest problem concerning vision as they were wandering for 40 years? I think that one of their biggest problems was that they, in their mind, they had a picture of Egypt. They'd been there, right? They knew what Egypt was like, but they did not, they had never seen the promised land. Human nature is always to go back to what we know, yes? So, I just want to encourage you this morning, you may not be able to see it, but God does. And in the heavenly realm, He places those visions in your heart. And many of us have those visions there. We've had them for years. But in the wilderness, it's easy to lose sight of them, isn't it? And if we're not just consistently moving forward towards that vision, what are we doing? We're actually moving backwards. There's really no such thing as neutrality when it comes to vision. Either you're going for the vision or you're not, right? I want to use just a a brief story from history, okay? And... uh, a gentleman on the way out of the last service said, man, throw back to history class there. And I said, wait a second, for most people, that's not a fond memory. So I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or a put down. But anyway, think about this, okay? Five, just 500 years after the early church, the time of Christ, not only the church, but all of world culture went into this period around 500, known as the Dark Ages, right? How many people have heard of the Dark Ages? Roughly, historians classify that on up to 1,500, so about 1,000 years. Okay, what were the Dark Ages? Well, very simply, in layman's terms, they were a social and cultural recession. 
Okay, meaning intellectually, in technology, in all sorts of areas, there was not a whole lot of progress made. And concerning the church and spiritual matters, it's again, it's hard to believe, but the church had become so corrupt. Uh, there was just complete heresy that had entered the body of Christ. And to many, I believe they had completely lost sight of the whole purpose of the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ that we celebrated last week on Easter. It was completely, not completely because God reserved His remnant, but as a whole, the cultures of the West, especially the Western Europeans, had lost that. Now, what brought us as Western Europe and and many other parts of the world out of that? And uh, one of the things that we love to point to is A guy named Martin Luther, you know, a German monk in the Catholic Church in 1517. He publicized for the world to see the abuses of the church and nailed them to the church door. And uh, and it was a very transitional moment, very pivotal with this guy who got a revelation of grace by faith alone and, uh, and just staked his life on it, literally. But I want to submit to you, that about 25 years, my master right before that, give or take, there was another man who I believe um, actually forged the way for even Martin Luther. He was not a monk. He was not even a member of the clergy or anything like that. He was actually an adventurer. And he happens to be, all of us, if you are, come from the Western Hemisphere, including South America... He happens to be our original forerunner, patriarch, spiritual ancestor, whatever you want to call it. And this guy's name literally means a bearer of Christ or Christ bearer. Now, how many Chris, Christophers or Christians name by name do we have in the room here? Any, any Chris's? Oh, yeah, Chris. Okay, Chris. All right. So I just want to say to you guys, even right now. Literally, I believe that you can pull on, so to speak, pull on the spiritual heritage from this guy named Christopher, and the Lord wants to release something just tremendously spiritually in your life. Amen? So be blessed. Chris Stein, up here on the drums. By the way, you know we had a 13-year-old on the drums, 13-year-old backup singer Andy's daughter, and Jake, who's 17, our youth worship this morning. Wasn't that great? Thank you, Lord, for that. Yeah. I, just, I told Andy, I was like, man, your daughter's going to eclipse you in the music world. And Byron was like, is gonna? She already has. <laughs> she did a great job. But, uh, but of course, you know, I'm talking about Christopher Columbus. Now, in the early 1490s, this guy was like a bulldog, man. He was relentless at getting to where he wanted to go. Why? Because early on, and I just went back and read this book that uh, has his journals in it recently. Uh, some of you may be familiar with Peter Marshall's The Light and the Glory. He directly references uh, Columbus's journals. Anyway, in these journals, Columbus speaks of a prophetic sense of destiny and purpose that he believed he possessed due to his name prophetically as a Christ bearer. And check this out, Isaiah 49, let me just, this is really cool here, I don't think it's on the screen, 
But in Isaiah 49, he says this is kind of his life verse, if you will. Now this is neat. Listen to this. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, He has made mention of my name. And then listen to this, on down in verse 6. This is the Lord speaking back, speaking to him. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Christopher Columbus had this verse in mind as he led these three ships filled with probably non-Christian guys, maybe some Christian, out into the great unknown. Now, how many of you, in looking at this picture, would say this kind of describes the trials that you've been facing? Now, let's imagine, if you will, if this is 4D, you know, that you see that north... And you see it south, you see it west, and you see it east. You're completely surrounded by water. This is a wilderness, yes? This is a wasteland. I've stood on the North Carolina coast. I've never been out necessarily on a cruise ship or per se, as some of you probably have, and completely surrounded like this. But I said, Will Bellamy, how you doing, man? Welcome home, man. Let's give Will a hand. Yeah. Will's been in training in the U.S. Army, you know, and uh, he's already been a Marine, and yeah. So it's good to see you, man. Yeah, so anyway, um, I've stood on the coast, probably everybody has, stood at the beach and looked out at this, and the first, I remember one of the first thoughts in my mind was, man, that's a long ways, (laughs) you know. Um, I just... Of course, we know what's on the other side of the Atlantic looking out that direction, right? Come on, geography students. What's on the other side? <laughs> okay, we, okay, I have an eighth grade geography class. You can sign up even if you skip geography. <laughs> Depending on your trajectory, you're either going to end up in southwestern Europe or in western Africa, somewhere in there, the Mediterranean possibly. Anyway. We know it's over there, right? Why? Well, because we have GPS. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we know. But can you imagine looking at that and having no idea? It's like looking into space. You have really no idea what's out there. All right, so in Columbus's journals, he records that most of the guys, if not all of them, I think, that were on these three ships with him, the crewmates, had never been any further than 300 miles out into these waters. So they embark on this epic journey on September the 8th, 1492, and after about, I don't remember, it was several weeks, not only had they gone beyond 300 miles, they had just surpassed 3,000 miles out at sea. And there was a big problem. The problem was Columbus was hearing some jokes with the crewmates. Hey, how about we throw the admiral overboard and go back home? There's really nothing out here. Well, he knew that it wouldn't be long before those jokes turned into not jokes. And uh, to make matters worse, he had to have a very difficult meeting with Martin Pinzon and his brother, who were the captains of the other two boats. They pulled alongside, came on board the pencil one night, 
And he could tell from the looks on their faces when they entered his cabin that they weren't very happy. And they just went on to express to him, they said, listen, we've gone as far as we can go. Our crews are at the verge of mutiny. If we don't turn back now, you know, it could get bad. Our rations are low. We don't have much water, food left. How far are we going to go? And, and Columbus, believe in the, uh, be, to, you know, being the diplomatic man that he was, I believe he was like a Solomon, you know, spiritual, a man of peace, a man of diplomacy. He worked out a deal, thank God, with the, the Penzons, and he worked out 12 more days. Give me 12 days. And if we haven't seen land within 12 days, we'll turn back. So sure enough, day 12 comes. And unbeknownst to me, he manages to squeak out in three more days there. On day two, beyond that 12 days, a cry comes out from one of the neighboring ships, Tierra, Tierra, which for you non-Spanish speakers means land. Do I have that right? Land? Yeah. Tierra. (laughs) and, you know, the rest is history. Thank God they didn't turn back, right? And I want to say to to you this morning, and to myself, spiritually and physically, I can see the land on the other side. So if you can't see it, just take it from me. I'm, I'm here as a brother to come alongside of you and say, hey, I understand if you can't see it, but I can see it. I can see it just beyond that horizon. And honestly, it really doesn't take that long to sail from here to that horizon. It's just over there. It's, it's right beyond. And I think that this downtime that we're in, this wilderness season as they accurately spoke of, it doesn't have to last that long. If we'll hear the, heed the voice of the Lord that they spoke to us and how to behave. Because after all, Dean, the children of Israel didn't have to spend 40 years physically in terms of miles getting from Egypt to to Canaan, right? What, weeks at the most they could have gotten there if they would have responded correctly. Remember what Larry Randolph said. He said, there's three aspects of these journeys, all of them, you know? There's the promise, there's the process, and there's the provision. In between the promise and the provision is the process. And we all get to... I like to think of get to. We all get to go through that processes, those processes, because how sweet it is on the other side, right? Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. This is my text this morning. And I'm going to start here in verse 8. And uh, everybody, if you've been a Christian for a while, is probably pretty familiar with this chapter. By faith which is, you know, being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you can't see. You remember what faith is? When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, Abraham obeyed and went. Everybody say, obeyed and went. Two action words that I believe are very important for us right now. Obeyed and went. Even though what? He did not know where he was going. He did not know. It sounds like Columbus, doesn't it? Really, he had a faint clue, but ultimately he had no idea exactly. In fact, he died not realizing he, d- he discovered a whole new hemisphere. Did you know that? 
He, literally, he, he died thinking he was in, in the West Indies or Southeast Asia. So that's very applicable here even as we read on. By faith he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents. As did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. How many people are looking for the city? We're not talking about a physical city. We're talking about a spiritual city. We're not talking about a city that's in the sweet by and by when I die and the sweet chariot comes and carries me away. That'll be great. We're talking about thy kingdom come now on earth even as it is in heaven. Right? Let me skip down to verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Who were all these people? Abraham, Noah, Enoch, Abel, so on and so forth. Christopher Columbus, Barry Morley was living by faith. Our good friend that we buried a couple weeks ago, last weekend, was living by faith when he died. Remember Byron shared the testimony last week about his last tithes and offerings check. Living by faith. Barry, if you knew him, he had a dream about a sports complex with soccer and athletic fields for kids because that was his passion. And if you knew Barry very well, you knew a lot about this because he talked about it all the time. And you know what? He never realized that dream, but I believe that just like these folks, somebody's going to pick up that vision and Barry's soccer complex will be established on the earth. I really believe that. I can't tell you how or who or when or where. But I just know that this is how great our God is. And if we could see back to our ancestors and the price that they paid and the, and the, the travails they went through and the trials and all that, our, and I don't mean to make light of your situation, but our measly little present current trials would seem very minute. Don't you think? Compared to Christopher Columbus... Or the pilgrims at, at Plymouth and Massachusetts Bay that starved to death over winter. You know, it's very, very minute. And I'm not exempt from those trials. I mean, Sarah and I have gone through a bit of trial. And I remember one night, you know, she particularly was really struggling just emotionally. And I said, baby, you've got to listen to me. I can see, I can see the other side. I mean, where we're going is so spectacular that's where you've got to put your eyes. And even when you can't see it, you've got to believe me. Because <laughs> I'm your husband, you don't have any choice. It's over there. And I'm telling you, church, I believe that this, this okay, I'm going to speak for us as a body. This recession and this trial is, is temporary and it's short-lived. I believe even by the end of 2009, many of us are going to see tremendous breakthroughs. How many people are already seeing breakthrough? Yeah, look at these hands going on. You see, these testimonies are really important. And by the end of 2010, I am absolutely convinced, I'm not going to share too much on this, I'm absolutely convinced that we're going to experience, as a church, an outpouring of God's glory that we've never even imagined. I just, personally, I'm convinced of that. That's what I'm living for. I mean, it's, it, yeah. It's going to be awesome. And so that's an aspect of vision. Is it get you up in the morning? 
even more than your cup of coffee. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Especially men driven by your job and your career. I mean, I'm talking about it in a good way. I don't mean in an unhealthy way. If you have a job you love especially, it's like, man, you just, you know, there's, there's things to do. There's things to accomplish. And for the, for the women also, and moms, and whatever your situation is, you know what I'm saying. If you get a picture of maybe a possibility, or in a business world, something that's going to be a big money maker, or whatever, how much motivation does that provide for you in the morning? Guess, chances are, it provides a lot of motivation. Now, God Himself is all the motivation I need, and I'm sure you share that as well. So, having said that, one of the aspects, and that's what Proverbs 29:18 is about, is that His vision, not ours, His vision motivates. It encourages. It pushes us on even when we can't see past the horizon. Isn't that right? Let's read on here. Hebrews 11. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. That seems kind of discouraging. Unless you read on. They only saw them and welcomed them. Everybody say saw and welcomed. There's two more words. So here's a four point message for you. For those of you taking notes. Obeyed, number one. Went, number two. Saw, number three. And welcomed, number four. That right there is a blueprint for making it through the wilderness, for crossing the vast ocean. And they admitted, actually number five admitted, I'm making the message as I go along. <laughs> they admitted that they were what? Aliens and strangers. Not from Mars, but from a heavenly Jerusalem. They said, we're from a heavenly city. We're not of this place, earthlings. <laughs> Maybe they didn't say that, but... People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Again, that goes back to the Israelites. They could picture Egypt. Man, wouldn't it be nice to go back to Egypt? Why would you want to Egypt? You were slaves. Well, we had meat there, fresh drinking water, roofs over our head. Now what have we got? Manna for breakfast, manna for lunch, manna for dinner. Manna pancakes, manna hamburgers, and manna steaks. I mean, manna, manna, manna. And then not only that, but we got to get mowed to strike some rock just to get some fresh water. I mean, come on. What's this all about? Complain, grumble, complain, grumble. But these folks in Hebrews 11, they didn't do that, did they? They said like Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream that one day... And Martin, Martin's dream has come true, hasn't it? Martin's dream is being realized through men like Barack Obama and etc., etc. That dream, dreams are a very powerful thing. I read a really great book recently called Dreaming with God. Because after all, those dreams aren't really mine, they're God's. And when you get connected with God's dream, just like Walt Disney, dreams do come true. That's not just some touchy-feely little phrase. I believe it's reality. 
But here's the conclusion that we have to see next. And it comes in verse 16. Instead, they were longing for something. They were longing for a better country. A spiritual country. A heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. That's pretty awesome. When God says in His book that He ain't ashamed of you to be called your God. For He has prepared a city for them. Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. It's already prepared. A heavenly city. I can see the land on the horizon. Like I said, spiritually, I see it. I'm convinced of it. I see a manifestation of glory. Physically, I believe the recession in America will probably last a considerable amount of time. How long, I can't say. But I believe for the body of Christ, it doesn't have to last that long. I believe if we respond correctly. Again, when this whole thing started last September, I said, wow, praise God. Somebody like, praise God, what are you talking about? The great transfer of wealth that the prophets have prophesied has begun. What we're going through right now is just, you know, the pains of that transfer, that, that, you know, the, the beginnings of that. It's, uh, what do they call that in childbirth? Transition? Yeah, dads, you know about transition. <laughs> Keep your head down, right? Okay, anyway. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. God, don't throw anything, women, please. Let me reiterate. Obey and go. Number three, see and welcome it. And number four, admit that we're strangers. Byron said something in an email recently, and he said uh, the gist of it was this. I'm concerned that we keep a kingdom mindset in place. Okay? And so I just want to encourage us. All the revelation on the kingdom. All the teaching. All the preaching. If you haven't yet I mean, gotten that revelation, ask the Lord for it. But in a nutshell, just that His kingdom, His spiritual reality is here now. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give it away. That is the kingdom. That is the, the encompassing of the kingdom. And His kingdom is like a mustard seed. It starts about that big. And it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And the Bible says that its, uh, its depth and breadth and height and width is no end. It will continue to grow for all eternity. So, I don't know. Does anybody feel encouraged by the Lord today? Yeah. Like, be encouraged. Yeah. You know, and uh, Becky, why don't you come up and share that story about Judy Ball? Because I think this really is a great illustration of that. Um, I guess just, it was a couple, a couple months ago. I was sitting on the front row, and she came in. I was really just... I've been in a wilderness myself um, for about six months, really, really hard times, and don't really even, I'm, I'm like, I really am like that up there, I don't really know what's going on, and um, I just heard Lance Walnall say his definition on wilderness or transition is this, 
I'm going through hell, but God's in it. But I believe God's in it. That's what he said. And that's where I've been. And, um, but I was sitting on the front row just a mess one Sunday. I just, I can't tell you how big of a mess I am. You know, sometimes Byron and I really do go through things just like you do. We don't have it all together. We are up there fighting sometimes. Y'all don't even know that. But we are up there fighting away and have to make up during worship or something, you know. So, but anyway, that day I was just a mess. Judy Ball comes in. And most of y'all, you know Judy, but she travels internationally. She's a major intercessor and prayer warrior. And uh, she just came right up right in my ear. She says, Becky. She said, she just, it was so good. She says, she said, we're going through, we're going through, we're going through, we're going to the other side, we're getting to the other side. And it was just such the Lord, you know, it just encouraged me. And I want to say that to you guys today, we're going through, we're going through, we're going through, we're going to get to the other side. And we can see the horizon, it's coming personally and as corporately, we're going through. And we just need to hang on, we may not can see what's going on in the midst of this, I honestly don't think it's the time to try to figure out what it is we're trying, God's trying to do. I think that's futile. But I think the way we respond is by knowing we're going through just what Matthew said. We hang on to that promise that we're getting to the other side. And I, I promise you this. I've been through one of these before in my 20s. One of these, what I called the big one. When you get to the other side, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. And I can say that I lost a baby during that time. And I can just, to this day, I can say this, even though I've lived with great loss for losing that child. But I'll tell you what, it's one of the most priceless things in my life that I lived through. To this day, it's like a diamond in my hand. It's like I carry a diamond in my hand, in my pocket. And I just wanted to encourage you that. That's why I said that day, don't waste your trial. And I just I want to say this to you. I just I went and heard a wonderful message on the same thing by Lance Walno. If you're in your 50s and going through this, it's about normal. These are usually big ones. I went through, and you, and you can go through some of these things multiple times in your life. Went through in the 20s, some of the 50s, but this is the truth. He says this. Statistically, because he studies science, you know, and different things, to kind of prove spiritual things, a lot of people never reach their destinies because, this is what he says, because they opt out of the process. And that's something. They jump out because they just don't want to get through, they don't want to go through this, this place that we're in. And that's why, that was really what was in our heart when we preached on this a couple of weeks ago, was when we're going through these difficult places, the best thing we can do is hang on to God and go through it and know He's got a plan. We're going to get to the other side. And when we get to the other side, there's going to be some things missing, okay, that we didn't need anyway, and it's going to be good. Okay? It's going to be good. So, amen. Thank you, Lord. Um. One of the things that was coming out prophetically through the Holy Spirit today was this thing of uh, the, the body of Christ really coming into uh, its own in terms of ministering grace and mercy to one another. And uh, the other night, Natalie was having a, in, uh, she was having a breakdown. 
she had to do a, a presentation for her science prayer, and she was she was just beside herself crying, and uh, and the 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 uh, the uh, father and me wanted to just yell at her and just say, "Come on, buck up! You can do this. You know now is not the time." To, to give in to fear and all this stuff. But I heard the Lord very clearly say to me, you need to be sowing mercy on your daughter right now. And uh, I heard the Lord say that to me about my whole family and then about our church. Uh, and, and then the next day I was teaching my, my students, I was teaching them this, I read the story by Leo Tolstoy called What Men Live By. And I'm not going to tell the whole story, but one of the main points of this, this story is that um, man doesn't, God did not create me to know what I need. He created me to live in a community surrounded by other people who know what I need. So if I'm living unto myself, walking through life, thinking about my own needs. I'm actually missing what God has called me to do, which is to look at my brother and see what he needs and to meet that need. So we are not operating as Christians or as humans. We're created to operate, to, to be, if all we're thinking about is our own life. So I really felt, I sensed that in the worship this morning, that God is really calling us to look at each other and say, I've never given up on you. We, we have these relational issues. There will always be relational issues in our lives. But the thing that God is calling us to do with each other in this moment is to sow mercy towards each other. If somebody has hurt you, offended you, uh, just done something that didn't concern you, but you just in your mind thought it was stupid and you judged that person in your mind, now is the moment to not do that. Now is the moment to, to sow mercy. And, and I, had, I had a real interesting... I, I'm always so glad when the ladies go to ladies camp because, man, something happens in our church when the ladies come back from... It's like, I don't know, it's an open door. It's a window. It's, it's something, something really... I, so I hope you recognize this, that men, receive what your wife has. But... Um, my wife came home, and we just we walked through this moment of relational stuff with each other last night where uh, she really rebuked me in some areas of my life. And it was a moment of where I could really just resist what she was saying or receive it as the word of the Lord, not only for me, but for our whole family. And I'm going to expose myself here for a moment. I think it's really important, though. Um, <clears throat> In the issue of alcohol, we as a church, we don't really, it do, we, don't, we don't hold to a non-alcohol thing in this church. Um, we don't make a big deal out of it. I have, I have bottles of wine in my, in my refrigerator at home. But, um, you know, one of the things that the Lord, we, Amy and I were praying last night, and I really felt the Lord say, as unto me, you need to go pour out those bottles of wine. Not, not getting religious about it, not getting, I wasn't feeling condemned, I wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling anything like, like ashamed, but I felt like the Lord was drawing me away from one level to another level, and I said, Amy, we were praying in the bedroom, I said, let's go do this, let's, let's pour these bottles of wine out into the sink, nobody was around, but you know, 
we were pouring those bottles of wine out, and I saw the Lord pouring out a bottle of wine as I was as I was pouring out those physical bottles of wine into the to the sink in obedience to nothing more than what he told me to do I saw a release of grace I saw a heavenly wine from heaven which is the one thing I really want for myself and my family for this church you know so I I say this because because her speaking into my life released grace and and so what Sarah was saying what Matthew was saying what Becky was saying we need to be aware we're in a body where God is helping us serve each other. Do you get that? Like we really need to encourage each other, really need to say, I'm never giving up on you. I'm never giving up on you. And even if it comes in the form of a little bit of a rebuke, now is the moment to really bow our knee again because God's releasing more grace to us. I mean, we need it, don't we? So do you guys want to move into ministry time and... You want to wrap this up? That was good, wasn't it? And, you know, he told the story on himself that when he said it was wine in the refrigerator, because that's you know cheap wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd have poured that stuff out too. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Riesling. Lord. It was a Riesling. Oh, you yeah. got to keep it cold. That's girl wine. <laughs> it's white. Good <laughs> bottle. I got it at the gas station. Well, what the Lord is doing, uh, besides making Andy quit drink wine for a bit, <laughs> but I tell you, I'll pour out all the wine in the earth to get the, the new wine, right? Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. But uh, I wanted to read this scripture to you because this really, uh, what the Lord's doing is assembling the body. He's shaking the world, but He's assembling something in the middle yes. of the shaking. Yes, yes. He's bringing the body of Christ together. That's what he's doing. He's connecting the body because the body needs each other. Okay? And it's uh, Romans. I'll read Romans 1, 11, 12. Because I've been getting this message from everywhere now. For some, you know, it's really the, the Lord's heart. This is what Paul the Apostle, the greatest Christian of his, of his day, possibly of all days, uh, he said, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. That is, I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. In other words, Paul the Apostle was saying, I need you and you need me. Okay, and that's really what God's doing right now. He's bringing the body together because the body, we need each other right now really bad. And that's how God, earlier this morning, Andy was prophesying in his music, he was talking about God beautifying the bride. And that's really one of the, how the bride's going to be made more beautiful as the bride, as the people of God come together and connect, be truly connect, be assembled. That's what the Lord's doing. He's trying to assemble the body of Christ in the earth. And, it's, and so we really want to encourage, and Andy was giving us some good wisdom on how to do that, how to encourage each other, extend mercy, extend grace, extend the love of God to each other uh, because you know, that's really what's going to really connect us ultimately. It's not going to be all that other other stuff. So this morning what we wanted to do is, first I want to ask you, uh, you know, Matthew's message about people being, you know, out there in the middle of the ocean of life and you just don't see the shores. Anybody in there, just, I know a lot of people are experiencing that. Raise your hand. I guess, all right, now, put your hand there. Now, those who've had some breakthrough in that area, raise your hand. 
I want the ones who've got their hands up right now, come up here, okay? You who've had breakthrough, where God has got you to, you're starting to see the land, you're starting to see breakthrough in your life in this area. What we're going to do is we're going to pray for, for you guys this morning, that you would begin to get the breakthrough, you would begin to catch the vision. We're going to do exactly what Paul said. We're going to comfort each other with the comfort that we've received, the, you know, the vision that we are, are seeing, as Matthew so well preached, he saw something. So I want to ask you, you know, to come on up. If you really feel like you're in a place where you want to see, and you're not seeing yet, with these who've seen, to begin to release that to you, where you can begin to see. So just let's just come on up right now, and let's just get, get the download from heaven. Because I believe God's releasing it right now. Here's the body going to really, really minister to the body.